welcome to our Inspiring Thoughts podcast. Uh, we're very lucky uh, on this edition of the podcast to have Joe Banks with us. So Joe is a peak performance coach, uh, author, speaker and leadership and development trainer. So uh, Joe, it's great to have you on board. Oh, very welcome to be here. I'm really happy. I'm excited. Yeah, great. So today we're talking about narcissism in the workplace. Uh, so Joe is a specialist in that area. So I've asked Joe to come on today. Joe's already had seven questions from me from just some preparation uh, so that we can really get, kind of get into that sensitive subject. But before we do that, Joe, would you mind just sharing with um, our listeners uh, your career history? So a brief kind of part of your career history. Yes, absolutely. So I had almost 20 years in HR got to that senior level but um, I know you probably have some HR people on here but I did not love HR. I was spending a lot of time uh, conflict managing as we do, heavily unionised environments and I was coming up to a big birthday, not revealing my age and just decided this is not what I wanted to do. I was really incredibly unhappy Um, so I actually left, resigned, bold move um because i knew i wanted to set up my own coaching business i was always i've always been interested in human potential in um just supporting people and one of the roles that you have as a senior person is dealing a lot especially at that senior level it's very political it's smoothing relationships over and i always really enjoyed that so i thought right i'm going to go and be a coach so left my big job Went and did a load of retraining. So I did NLP, Master Practitioner in, in Neurolinguistic Programming, CBT, Exec Coaching. Oh, my goodness. Huge toolkit. Started off uh, working with execs because that was the kind of level that I was working at. But because I predominantly work on behavioural change, um, they were coming back to me and saying, oh, my goodness, this stuff you're doing with me is great. Can you do some training? So fast forward 14 years. I've got about eight or nine books, more in the pipeline, online training courses. I have corporate clients, private clients, and I do that whole range. Predominantly now, I do a lot of training around bullying, narcissism, that side of things. I do a lot around resilience, um, mental toughness, and I just have a range of clients across a range of sectors and absolutely love what I do. Love it. And before we come on air today, Joe and I were talking about our careers and how we both love what we're doing at the moment. And it can really shine through. Uh, and I connected with Joe. The reason why I asked Joe about coming on today is um, I saw a, uh, a training session that Joe did, I think, December, Joe, about narcissism in the workplace. Uh, and I thought it'd be really good just to go through some questions today and have a chat through. Uh, would that be OK with yourself? We'll go through the questions and see where we go. Perfect. Let's do it. Yes, Wonderful. absolutely. So, so the first question, uh, and it was a new word to me um, until I learned, learned a couple of years ago. What is narcissism? What What is it, Joe? Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of people don't really understand what narcissism is. We use that word and throw it around all over the place without really understanding. Oh, he's a narcissist. She's a narcissist without really understanding what it is. So there is a diagnosis that people can get narcissistic personality disorder but that has to be a clinically diagnosed um title um but that has to be done by a psychiatrist or somebody who's professional at doing that and the thing is with narcissists is they are never going to admit that they've got a problem so it's very unlikely that they're going to go and get that diagnosis However, in the terms that we're talking about today, we're using loose traits that we see because there are very certain patterns of behaviour that we see in narcissistic type people. Now, I want to be really clear right from the outset. All of us have some narcissistic traits, all of us. So we will go through the traits because I know that was one of your questions, but we all have some of those traits. And just because you have some of those traits does not make you a narcissist. Um, It's the patterns of behaviour that we look out for. So does that clear that bit up? 
Yeah, and I think it's really good to, to kind of um, be loud and clear straight away that we all have some of those traits. We do. We, we all have some of those traits. It doesn't make us necessarily a narcissist, but we do have some of those traits. So I really appreciate yes. you kind of putting that straight out there uh, early on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's really yeah, good. It, 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 yeah, it's the it's the kind of uh, when we talk about it, we'll, we'll talk about the cycle. It's it's where we see these certain patterns of behaviour that yeah. would lead you more to thinking that that person has that narcissistic bent, if you like. Yeah, yeah no, great. And what would you say kind of the, the key traits or what we would notice as a person that's definitely kind of in that narcissistic cycle, etc.? What would you say the key traits are? OK, there are there are quite a lot. And actually, if you want to do any research on this, yeah. hair h-a-r-e you can have a look at hair's psychopathy checklist and there are 20 this that's about psychopathy and you know uh, as we said to begin with not all narcissists are psychopaths but all psychopaths are narcissists so hair has a psychopathy checklist that you can check against but these are the ones that i see the most frequently so there are grandiose self-worth So people who kind of put themselves out there as if they're amazing with very little substance underneath. So we tend to call there are different types of narcissists as well. So I'm just going to before I get to the traits, just let me cover those the two main groups. So the first are the ones that are quite overt and they're out there and you, you know, they present themselves with this grandiosity and look at me, aren't I amazing? But there's also what we call um, the covert narcissist. And those people are more likely to be um, victim. They tend to be like in a victim mode. Oh, poor me, poor me. Things always go wrong for me. But actually, the underlying stuff is very similar. So they may display differently with those two things. So they may um, act slightly differently, but the underlying narcissism is there. So just wanted to point that out. So grandiosity is one. Superficial charm. That That's quite one for the, the grandiose. Um, some of the biggies are they lie with ease and have absolutely no issue lying whatsoever. And I think that's what confuses most of us the most because you know typically we talked about values before we started recording and values is big for most of us and so I'm not lying is huge for most of us it's a real integral value not for a narcissist they will lie um they have no empathy zero so they don't care even remotely how they're impacting you um, they're two of the biggest. They are highly, highly manipulative, and both overt and covert are highly manipulative. They move things around, say, do whatever they need to to meet their needs. Um, they never take responsibility, and that's a big one. And that I know you want to talk about gaslighting, yeah. but in gaslighting terms, that's the underlying thing. They are never going to take responsibility. It's always someone else's fault. And they have this kind of big need to control. They need to control other people. Uh, and one of the things that we did say at the beginning of this, uh, again, before we started, uh, before we press record, is it's really important. And this has helped me because I've had narcissistic people in my life. I coach people who have had narcissistic people in their lives. And one thing that is really important to point out, these types of people are typically or typically have really low self-esteem, really low self-confidence. They have feelings of unworthiness, of shame, and it could be because of how they were brought up. They were potentially bullied by a parent or somebody in school that's made them feel like that, or they copied that behaviour from a parent. So that's really important because I know that helps a lot of people who've been victims of narcissistic abuse is knowing that actually that person is doing that not because they're better than you but deep down they feel unworthy inferior and that can be a big uh, tool in um recovery yeah and and going back with um 
you said there because it's fascinating to understand that I think a lot of our listeners will start to resonate today and go oh wow that's happened to me and this is what I've gone through with work and kind of those light bulb moments but in a positive way because it is serious damage to that person on the receiving end of those kind of behaviours but does it start as you said there is it starting from when people are younger and then it's built up through the years or could it be a trigger later on in their work life no. could it be any time it happens or how's it no, usually it, work not in my experience and not yeah. in the, you know I, I've been researching this for 15 years now in depth you know and I I, I train a lot of people on this even even therapists because a lot even some um you know clinical people don't know very much about narcissism um but in all of the research that I've done, it's it, it you know, we have got the nature nurture thing. Yeah. Um, and the you know, there's a lot there's a lot of research being done around that. But it tends to be it isn't something that comes on all of a sudden. It's something that usually that stems from childhood childhood. So either born that way um, with that kind of bent towards that. But then the surroundings that they're born into foster it. Um, Or they, you know, they just watch. They watch. They might have had a narcissistic parent. So they watch and copy, which is what we all do. It's how we all learn and uh, to be who we are and the values that we have. So it can either be they had somebody very overbearing who, you know, made them not feel great or they copied or probably a mixture of the two. It's unlikely to develop later. Very unlikely. And and what would you usually see there? Probably a strange question, but what would you usually see? a person demonstrating narcissism is the benefit they get back by being in these different traits or behavior what, what is it usually they or why would they demonstrate these behaviors they do it to build themselves up so by putting other people down yeah. they build themselves up and that's the same with any bully narcissism or not yeah. the whole yeah. reason that people bully is because they feel unworthy they have low self-esteem yeah. so if i can put you down and make you feel bad and make you feel unworthy i build myself up and that right. tends to be that underlying yeah need for them to build themselves up yeah. by putting other people down yeah they kind also of, get what we go on sorry no carry on carry on they also have with narcissists what we call narcissistic supply which is a really odd term but it's when they see somebody else suffering and this is going to sound so crazy because to 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 us that are not narcissists you simply cannot get your head around that but this narcissistic supply is like air for them so when they put somebody down when they make somebody feel bad they get a buzz they get a thrill so a dopamine hit from almost what's glee from the pain that they are causing other people and to normal people who don't have that need it seems just crazy but narcissistic supply so that pain they cause other people is a delight and it's like air it's like it's like breathing it's like food for them they need it to survive yeah it's like a fuel to them, isn't it? Fuel. Yeah. 100%. And they cannot live without it. Yeah. They cannot live without it. Yeah. And as an individual, if you're on the receiving um, side of working with a narcissist, or ex- what would that colleague be experiencing? So okay. if you're on the receiving side of that, what would you be experiencing and emotions, etc., would they be going through, Joe? Okay, well, before that, it's probably important to talk about the behaviours that you're going to see from this person. Yeah, great. Um, and it's called, we call it the narcissistic cycle of abuse. And it's a very laid out, very well researched, very documented. You can easily Google it, narcissistic cycle of abuse. I've written extensively about it on my website. Basically, it starts with, and this is the same for a narcissist outside work as well so we will obviously focus on work but if you think about this in terms of personal relationships as well it fits the first thing is love bombing so in the love bombing phase it's typically that the person will want to ingratiate themselves with you really quickly and this happens quickly So what they're trying to do, you know, you might hear things like, oh, my goodness, 
I wish I'd found you before. We're so aligned. This is amazing. I've always wanted to work with somebody like you. They all of a sudden kind of share the same hobbies as you. They like the same things as you. They don't really. What they're doing is getting you off guard and they're doing what we call data mining. Sounds very calculated. And it is. So their data, so you let you go because you think, oh my goodness, this new boss, this new colleague, they're amazing. They've really really aligned with them. They feel so amazing. Wah, wah, wah. So you let all your barriers down that would usually be there when you meet somebody new because they are mirroring you. And they're really good at that. So so that's that's the first bit is love bombing. That tends to be quite a short period. Then we move into the bit that's really quite insidious and we call that devaluation. So they can't keep that love bombing up for very long. It's 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 not something that they it, it takes an enormous amount of um, energy for them to do that. But then quickly it starts to move on to the devaluation. This is where they start putting you down. They will, will be the odd comments here or there. But it will. But there'll still be some love bombing. Then it'll be a bit of a put down again. I never said that. I didn't do that. Where's that piece of work? Taking credit for your work. Um, gaslighting you, which I know we're going to come on yeah. to. And just generally leaving you confused, wondering what the heck is going on. Where's that? What, what's what's happening all of a sudden? But it's that slow erosion that is really damaging it just goes on and on and on and what tends to happen there as well is during that time they are setting you up to fail they are what we call triangulating so they're bringing other people in as well to side against you so they will have singled you out probably and everyone will be really scared of getting on the wrong side of them so they join forces and then Everybody seems to be kind of coming down on you. We also call that flying monkeys as well when they're running back and telling him and talking to you and running back or her because it's male and females. But it's those put downs. They're setting you up to fail. It's all of that. And it's that stuff with the gaslighting, which we'll talk about in a minute, that really gets under your skin, that really starts to wear away your self-confidence. And this can go on for years, this bit. So, you know, really tough the next phase is discard so that's usually when you are so depleted and that you you just can't focus anymore you just are almost a shell of yourself you think what's the point nobody listens to me they have got every bit of your energy and your will to carry on so at that point then from a work perspective it will be it will look like they won't include you in important um communications you won't get invited to meetings you'll find that the whole team's gone out for dinner without you um that's sort of the behavior when you know you've got to 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 discard it might even be them moving you out of the company or moving you out of their team so that you know that's kind of that can that can it can take months it can take years to get to the discard however if you get tired and fed up of that at some point and you start to stand up for yourself there'll be the next phase which is hoover so they're gonna want to maintain their reputation and they're going to do anything they can to maintain their reputation so they're going to start saying oh you know let's bring you back on side let's go out for lunch let's do this and let's do that and they'll do what we call future faking ah we'll talk about a promotion we'll talk about you getting involved in other projects we'll talk about because all they're intent on doing is getting you back online because they're not looking good because you're threatening to leave you're threatening to tell HR you're threatening to tell your boss so they need to do something quickly and then they start the love bombing again but the love bombing will be short and they'll go very quick and it just keeps going around yeah until you they exit you or you exit So I know that was quite long winded, but it's really important because if there isn't that cycle, they're not necessarily a narcissist. Yeah. And I I think that will resonate with a lot of our audience to go, wow, that's happened to me. 
and I've gone through that cycle um yeah uh, from that purpose and it's amazing I was just smiling because yes it has happened to me so I've yeah. experienced it in my yeah, career happened to me. um yeah. but you just sit there and go oh wow and I suppose the 64 million dollar question Joe is why do people do that then so they do the love bombing um then they change their behavior to show you up etc why do they do that it's narcissistic supply it's the supply just they get it's the supply because every time they see you being defeated every time they see you being upset unhappy sad that's hey hey it's all good stuff for them and i know it sounds so crazy but that's the reason it's narcissistic supply they are building themselves up by putting you down you know one of the questions that i get is who are their targets you know what type of people do they go after well they can go after anybody but they take great glee in doing this to people pleasers so people who are you know really good well liked people who are very professional they take great joy in bringing down people whom they perceive to be better than them, but they'd never say it out loud. So somebody who's very well liked, somebody who's very professional, if they can bring somebody like that down, the, the supply, the narcissistic yeah. supply is multiplied. Yeah. No, it's, fasc- it's fascinating. But actually, when they brought... it's just you know it's it's madness but when they've brought you down that much by the devaluation that's when they're no more fun anymore they can't get a rise out of you anymore they're not getting any more supply out of you and that's where the discard comes in yeah and then that's the new person or the new and the new person yeah they go on to to feed that supply uh 100 they have found a replacement for you and that's the same in personal relationships and in a work, they found somebody else who is brand new and sparkly that yeah. they can start all over again with, yeah. Yeah. you know. And actually, you know, one of the things that we talked about is quite often narcissists will never let go. So years after they might drop into your inbox and yeah. they do that because when they do that, they know you're going to get some sort of adrenaline and cortisol yeah. response that stress response and that gives them a little bit of narcissistic supply yeah so that's why sometimes you just cannot get rid of these these people and and i'll I'll talk to you about how we do that a little bit later what the best way to deal with them but that's why even years later they're still dropping in your inbox yeah still trying to get that supply oh yeah yep 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 so you might get a text from them they might drop you know drop something in your inbox or you know get somebody else to do it yeah. one of the flying monkeys one of the triangulation people to yeah. to because it's a game yeah. life is a game yeah. sounds yeah. incredible doesn't it when you say it out loud that these people are out there but they are but i think the bit now is saying it out loud is having people the confidence to actually um, face into it and understand rather than just being in silo and actually taking it on board and hurting themselves more it's actually having the confidence to talk about it and listen and that's why I wanted to do the podcast today um so what going back to the question I asked but what other behaviors would a person receiving on the other side be experiencing what could they be experiencing I know we said we've gone so how through, would they feel yeah how would they be feeling and what would they be going through their minds so you would feel degraded unlistened to unimportant um like your all of your values are being violated and we know that that is a big issue for for most of us we have strong values and to have somebody completely have no regard for you whatsoever and to make up lies about you and to undermine you at every you know and especially in front of people other people they like to do that they like to put people down they like to make people scapegoats in front of others they get a lot of glee out of that so you know you might be in a in a team meeting and he that person will be being really cruel towards you so you feel you go into yourself you don't want to stand up for yourself you feel sick you don't know what to do your fight flight freeze response is is up 
their stress, you know, might lead if it goes on a long time. It can, because I know I've experienced it myself. You you start to question everything about yourself. And that's one of the saddest things. And that's one of the things I've put in one of my posts is the fact that, you know, you can have had an unblemished career and being so incredibly well thought of. And all of a sudden, this person comes in from nowhere, completely tries to decimate your career. And it leaves people feeling huge lack of confidence, like they're worthless, like all of the things, funnily enough, that that are going on underneath the narcissist. Yeah. Yeah. So they're trying to really bring you down and take away your shine, your professionalism, your authority. They want to undermine you in any way they can. So that's yeah. how you would be feeling. You know, and I've worked with people who have just been I've got to give up my career, career. I need to just go and do a quiet job somewhere else. And it's like, oh, my goodness, you've worked 30 years. You've got this yeah. amazing career. And this one person has come in and decimated it. Yeah. So it's about them helping the person see what's happened because yeah. actually that awareness is huge and then helping build their confidence levels back up again yeah and it's and i think it goes back to there joe about the awareness of actually mm. understanding these traits these behaviors and actually what you're going through and actually it's not the person on the receiving side it's more the issues with the person that is the, the narcissist to try and understand in your mind isn't it to try and get across that it's not about you as the receiver it's about the other person trying to put it onto you or take those things away from you isn't it yes absolutely and and don't forget that they're like they lie yeah. and they're manipulative and so if somebody higher up than them did happen to pull them up on that they'll say I've been nothing but wonderful to that because they they'll do a lot of this as well. They will obviously do it in public, but with a team that they feel secure with. Yeah. But a lot of this can go on behind closed doors and they present themselves as being this amazing, wonderful person. So all of a sudden people are not believing you because they're believing this person who lies because most yeah. of us think people would not be their face lie. Yeah. But they will. They will. Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah but it's as it goes back to there all the work and research you've done over your 15 years you said it, it it's not just a subject we're all going to get overnight but it's about understanding it more this is about kind of the idea of the podcast that we can all start to relate to and understand um and recently um it's probably a bit naivety of me but i was trying to understand i saw some words like gaslighting and yeah. phrases around that and mm-hmm. i wasn't sure what what it actually meant um so would you try and help us understand what gaslighting is, Joe? Absolutely. I hear that term used. It's, it's another one like narcissists and gaslighting. They're thrown around all the time without people yeah. really using, uh, without people really understanding what they mean. Gaslighting is one of the main tools of a narcissist. Because remember at the beginning, I said that one of the things, the main thing is not to take responsibility for anything that that is their overarching aim is to get away with as much as they can and not take responsibility so with gaslighting gaslighting is their way of me of um turning the tables of kind of turning everything back on you so they will change the subject quickly so you bring something up with them, they'll change the subject quickly. They will um, turn it back on you. One of the favourite ones is, well, what about the time you did X, Y, Z? And it's like, hang on a minute. We, we dealt with that years ago. Why are, you, why are you still bringing that up? Well, all of a sudden, they've taken you. It's a way of taking you off topic. So it will be putting it back on you. It will be, what about that time you did that? It's blaming you, blaming other people, blaming anyone else but themselves. So I've actually kind of in preparation for this, I've, I, I've printed off some of the typical sayings that we hear. Yeah. So if you'll just bear with me, I'll read those out because it's probably quicker. I never said that. You're making it up. You're the liar. It's you that's lying. You made me do it. If you weren't such a, I wouldn't have had to do this. I was only joking. You just don't get my sense of humour. Or I don't remember that. That that didn't happen that way. That's you that you're just making stuff up. You're crazy. Um, 
you need to see somebody there's something wrong with you so it's this kind of putting it back on you so the whole idea of that and this is how I know without a doubt if I'm being gaslit is if I feel confused if somebody makes me feel confused and makes me think what's that did I say that what's that me to something that I have a really clear recollection of but all of a sudden they make me feel confused whoa that's the hugest red flag or if I'm telling somebody something that happened to me and usually a person that isn't a narcissist would have huge empathy and be able to completely empathize and say all of the right things a narcissist can't do that because they don't have empathy so if you're telling them something that awful that happened to you or your parents or something and they just go all right have you got that report ready and you think oh my goodness I've just told you all of this awful stuff that's happened and they they just can't register with that so that's gaslighting yeah and it's it's fascinating just listening to that about creating doubt in that other person's mind that confusion that doubt is really pulling against it isn't it um and i love the way it's probably to help our colleagues on the on the um, podcast today about if you're feeling confused that's usually like a red flag going up of um, being gaslit and kind of to be aware of actually what's going on and I, and I love the way you shared the phrases there, because there's some common ones I've heard before that people try and throw you off topic. So they throw back something that happened years ago. and You go, well, where did that come from? Or how did that happen? Uh, that is fascinating to actually kind of hear um, about how they really try and create doubt and push into that doubt confused element, isn't it? Yeah. What they're trying to do is get you off topic. Yeah. If they can get you off topic and they do not care how they do that. Yeah. If they can get you off topic, because how many arguments? Do you, well, you know, I, I've seen a lot of arguments with, with people with narcissists. I've had arguments with narcissists where they'll drag something up from a long, 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 long. And then all of a sudden, all the focus is on, is on that thing that happened years ago. And the thing that you were meant to be dealing with has been forgotten because they have blown up again about something that was yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, It's just that classic diversion it's that kind of throwing you off the scent that's what's happening there and the connection between just so I get clear in my mind is it from a narcissist they gaslight or can gaslighting be done by anybody or is it anybody can do it you know we can we can all do that yeah it's kind of a a tool that we could do if we thought oh I don't want to deal with that right now um so we could all do that but it is just a number one tool for the narcissist because as I say they have no intention of taking responsibility for anything so if they can blame shift which is what their past masters are doing um they're going to blame shift and because we're just not used to people bare face lying Mm. that's where the confusion comes in because we don't expect people to do that yeah we don't expect people to we expect our values to be the same as other people's values and one of those is honesty but with narcissists there is no such thing yeah and it's it's going back there i love the phrases about values that you know we all have majority of people know right from wrong majority of people know how to speak to each other etc but what they're quite happy to do is cross those values which yeah. there I just love the way it confuses um any person that's going through this to go did I say that did that happen what that's the confusion isn't it and while you're being confused about that you're all you're kind of already off topic aren't you yes you've already yeah. shifted things yeah. because all of a sudden you're doubting yourself yeah but it's that doubt and that confusion that causes the most damage so that yeah. all of this tends to happen in that devaluation phase yeah. and like I've said that can be a couple of years or yeah. maybe even longer in relation you know personal relationships and so you can see where that constant doubting of yourself if you're if you're being yeah. made to constantly doubt that really wears that you know wears down who yeah. you are yeah changes yeah. your personality 
And, and I think just before I go into the next question, I've seen people over the years that their personality has changed rapidly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know we talked about kind of um, fight, flight, freeze. There's also fall where people fall away from themselves. And I've seen that over the years where actually they've been a very chirpy, very popular, very, but then they've gone very insular. They've drunk more, they've ate more, those kind of things that how damaging it is to their own physical health as well. That's part of the freeze, as in yeah. fight, flight, freeze. So they're what we call numbing activities. Yeah. So they're self-soothing, numbing activities to kind of go within yourself, Netflix, binge, drinking, all of those things that you said. Yeah, that that's yeah. the freeze aspect of yeah. fight, flight, freeze. And you see you also see fawn, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, um, because at first, you know, especially if you're a good person and which most people are or you're a people pleaser, especially when somebody starts to be mean to you, you're going to bend over backwards to be nice to them and placate them and 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 bring them back on side and so they love that in the beginning they love that after a while they see that as very weak and they don't like it and that's where the discard might come in quicker with somebody who is very empathetic and very people pleasing um which is quite interesting as well but yeah people's whole temperaments their outlook everything can change for the worse yeah. I've seen some you know it's, ha- it's happened to me I've lived through yeah. this experience as well which was what prompted me to do all the research over the years yeah. and dealing with clients and just seeing what were once really vital that's what they'll say hey, I was really enthusiastic I was really happy I was really outgoing and now I don't want to go outside I don't want to leave the house I don't yeah. want a big job anymore because I don't think I can do it and that's yeah. men and women yeah men and women yeah you know, so. and I think when I was looking at the research before it's not just usually to one sex or population it, it can be men women etc it, it's it's not one single kind of population is it if you kind of look no at no and it te- does tend to be 80 20 funny how that 80 20 comes up in all kinds of things doesn't it it does tend to be uh 80 percent men 20 percent women you know looking at, yeah. the, at the, the basic research but um women women can do it as well i've come across yeah. a couple of a couple of uh female narcissists as well yeah. so yeah so um just a, a couple of questions probably maybe um an easy one so um will a narcissist get worse over time do they do, okay. do they get worse okay. and worse over time does it get or is it just always i'm trying to explain it in my in steve's world um do they stay as they are and just carry on always that cycle or do they, does it get worse and worse and worse it tends to what they tend to always be like they don't get better right they don't get better yeah. um very very rarely you see i've, I've also i've spoken to therapists about this who who are actually narcissistic personality trait aware because if you think sometimes if they think they're going to lose somebody and you're going to walk away from a personal perspective and they might say oh yes okay let's go to therapy let's go to couples therapy but they're going to manipulate the therapist if the therapist doesn't know about narcissism you know so will they get better probably not will they seek out help probably not it's rare Although you can find a few on the internet who like to share, you know, they're more enlightened. But then you've got to ask, why are they now sharing all of these experiences? Because they're narcissists and they want the attention. Um, But no, it just tends to do go in cycles. And like you said, when the ultimate discard happens, so when they really have had enough or you leave from a work perspective, you leave or they force you out of the organisation, they're going to move on to somebody else. It never stops. It yeah. never stops. And if they do it at work, they do it at home as well. Right. So it doesn't switch off. Personality type. There's no it switch doesn't off. switch off. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Yeah. They, it, it, they are what they are in yeah. any in any environment. Right. And um, moving into moving into now, Joe, so we've looked at kind of what the, the narcissist is, the gaslighting, the, the kind of the circle that we would, would experience. Mm-hmm. What should we do if we're experiencing narcissistic behaviour? How can we cope or what should we do as an individual? OK, a couple of things. So. We have a term called grey rock when dealing with narcissists. Grey rock, if you think of of an inanimate object, a grey rock just sits there. 
it is completely uninteresting. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't do anything. It just is. So what we recommend is you go grey rock. So they are going to goad you. That's another thing that they do. They like to goad you, pick at you, because don't forget in the data mining phase, in the love bombing phase, they learn out. They learn everything about you. They learn all the things you love, all the things you hate, because they had those long conversations with you. So they know where all your, they know where your Achilles heel is and what to do about it. So with Grey Rock, you don't rise to it because don't forget they are after the narcissistic supply. That's what they want. They they want you to feel bad. They want to get a rise out of you. So you just be grey rock. You do you be factual. You tell them what they need. I'm not saying that you be obstructive from a work perspective. You do not do that. You give them what they need. So you Facts, figures, if they start to want to talk to you about personal things, that's where you kind of draw a boundary. I'm not discussing that right now. Here's the information you wanted. Put everything in writing. So whenever you have a conversation with them, of course, you're only sticking to facts about work. You then go back and you send them an email. Anything that happens you keep detailed notes, dates, times, um, who else was there, and you make detailed notes. Because if at some point it does escalate and you feel the need that you're going to have to tell your manager about it, you need dates, facts, times, evidence. Because without that, I've seen so many people say, well, I've been to HR and I've been to my boss and he doesn't believe me because this person's so charismatic that everybody thinks they're wonderful and they can't possibly see it must be you know it must be you must be you because we think he's wonderful or she's wonderful so those facts the evidence is absolutely vital and for your own um mental health Hmm. stay in grey rock don't let them rile you always only where you can try and talk to them where there are other people around and just stick to being very very factual um boundaries are hard because we've already let all our boundaries go usually during the love bombing phase so it's putting those back in place so it's about i don't want to talk about family i don't want to discuss that now they're not going to like that because how dare you but then you go back to that grey rock, grey rock. And it's, it, it's I always like a nice metaphors that people can relate to. But that grey rock is one of those ones mm. of being safe, not moving. And I love the bit there about not being goaded, because in theory, that's what they're looking for is a, excuse the terminology, like a rise from you, something to come back with to feed that supply. And then they can use it against you again. But I just love that kind of um, and also the bit for a lot of people, even when I worked back in my banking industry, are saying to people, you need to have the facts, keep the facts and keep it kind of simplistic rather than going back with opinion again, because then that feeds the kind of narcissistic kind of um, temperament. of it. So there's more things to latch on to, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, this goading thing that they do. Once you start to set, once you know about this and you start to set boundaries, they're not going to like that. And that's where the goading will be, because if you've started to even if you've started to go, I can't do this anymore. I'm just so tired of arguing with this person. I'm so tired of having to. And you start to be, oh, whatever, whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. When you start to do that, they're going to want to goad you because they're missing their narcissistic supply. Mm. So if they can say things to you to wind you up and you explode, all of a sudden as well, one of the things that they'll do is go, see, see, I said you were this. I said you were that. It's you. It's you. Because they're going to wind you up and wind you up and wind you up until you finally explode. And they're going to turn it around and say, you're the abuser, not me. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the bit the definitely experience um, I've noticed over the years about uh, in kind of my mind and when I've worked with people before is that they're looking for something that then to turn it back and go, go, ah, 
you're the one that's caused these issues or problems, not me. It's, and that's what they're looking for. But I just love that metaphor. So if anyone can take away today, I just think that grey rock is a real kind of a good place to be and not be goaded. And it's hard, though, Joe, isn't it? It's hard not to be goaded because they oh. use those words that they took from the love bombing phase. They they use all the, the, the stuff they data mined. Yeah. You know, all the stuff that they got you to tell them while your guard was down because you thought that they were this wonderful person. They're yeah. going to use all of that. And they've yeah. got that is the word is goading. They're yeah. going to nitpick and nitpick and nitpick and nitpick yeah. and nitpick until yeah. you explode. And then you're the abuser. Yeah. One of the questions that I do get asked a lot by people is, um, do you think I might be the narcissist? Yeah. You know, when they've come out of a narcissistic yeah. relationship, whether it's a personal one or a work related one, because the narcissist will have put that in their mind yeah. at some point. You know, you're the abusive one, not me. It's them. Yeah. That's, it's you. Blah, blah, blah. And the one thing through all of my um, research on this is if you're asking whether you're the narcissist, you ain't the narcissist. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> You know, if you're bringing that to somebody and wanting to talk about it, you are not the narcissist. Yeah, yeah. And that's that confusion that they put into your mind of going, is it me or that kind of purpose? Yeah. And just coming up to the last question I've got, um, Joe, because you and I, I think I think we could talk. We were even talking before oh, we're off air, but we could, it's a fascinating yeah. subject. But yeah. how do you set healthy boundaries? Because we can't all say that we can't work with a narcissist. and all. But how do we set healthy boundaries? Well, it's difficult because there is no such thing as healthy right with a That's narcissist a, yeah it is bound it is be very write it down for yourself you don't even have to share it with them write it down for yourself what i am willing to talk to this person about and what i'm not yeah and so that is your so you're not even necessarily going to want to communicate that you, you know these are my boundaries because they're going to laugh at you and then that will wind you up and then they'll get their narcissistic supply. So, again, we're going around in that loop. What I would suggest is get very, very clear on what you are willing to discuss with them and what you're not. And the minute they cross over that boundary, you go grey rock and say, I'm not discussing that. Can we get back to what we were talking about? And it has to be that brutal. Um, and I know for some of us that will feel like oh, really uncomfortable because I'm a really nice person and I don't want to feel like I'm treating. And then they're going to turn it around and start saying, what's the matter with you? You're being really mean. But that's the only way to deal with a narcissist. Yeah. And the other thing that I would say as well is please raise it with somebody. Yeah. So have your facts, have all of the, the dates and the times. And, all, and I know it's a pain to have to do that. But if you if you are in HR, you'll know that's the thing that we say to do yeah. with anybody that you're having problems with. Dates, times, facts, because HR or your manager will not be able to do anything without that. There still might be from the webinars um, that I did before. I did two webinars before Christmas on this topic. And there were so many questions. I think we ran over 20 yeah. minutes after on each of the sessions it was like kind of over half an hour on questions one of the questions was what if my boss doesn't believe me or what if HR don't believe me and one of the things that some people didn't like the answer to that is we all have a choice where we work yeah and sometimes for your own health and I know this is not perhaps the answer people want to hear but if you've done gone all down the right channels and you're still not getting support your mental health is worth more than anything else and the longer you stay there the worse it will get the worse your mental health will get and it's going to affect your career anyway yeah. so I know from my experience I wish I'd got out sooner and, uh, and there isn't one other person that's eventually got out that hasn't said, I wish I'd got out sooner. So I know for some people, they'll be saying, oh, that's a failure. I, I shouldn't have to leave. And that was some of the feedback that I got. Mm. However, it's not quite as simple as that. And we all want to feel that we're valued. We all want to work for a company that has the same values as us. So better leave sooner rather than later and go work somewhere where you're valued. I'm not treated like that. Yeah. And it's and that's the bit there, which is so, so important that we've all we've all got one life on this planet. 
and actually to enjoy and be healthy um, and look after our mental health is so so important and so many mm-hmm. people I've seen that have moved on to different roles and different jobs and they've got back their sparkle yeah. and they've got back their kind of enthusiasm again so for those people out there that go oh do you know what that's failure it's not no. it's actually go and be healthy go and because the other part as well is it's not just you affected it's your family as well that affect you. you can't just turn these things off at five o'clock at night actually it's then how do you kind of because your family will pick up if you've gone quiet freeze in those kind of perspective so i just think if you are in a difficult position there is an outlet and there is also other kind of um, jobs to look at or to do if that makes sense absolutely for me let's do a reframe on it i love a good reframe for me staying in a place that is making you ill is more of a failure than leaving and being happy it is not being defeatist it is knowing when that is no longer serving you and and there are lots of jobs available especially at the moment it's it's a candidate you know it's a job rich environment not a candidate rich environment so there are more there are more roles than there are candidates good candidates at the moment so yeah um get out sooner rather than yeah. later yeah. now joe we could sit here i think go and get a cup we of tea could. and talk to the cows come home we could do it quite <laughs> easily um can i just say how how can people get hold of you or contact you joe what's the best way to or kind of to see kind of the information that you share with people what's the best way very easy joebanks.net there is tons of information i've written extensively about narcissism and bullying i have a very popular blog on my website which i update every week um and so you know if anybody's interested in one-to-one coaching um if they're interested in career management because that's another big side of my business um or even i do a, a lot of online training courses as well so have a little look at joebanks.net that's the, the best place to go well, can I just say, um, Joe, thank you ever so much for today. Um, I think I've learned lots today and I thought I knew about narcissism and work that I've done, <laughs> but it's been really enlightening. And uh, all I would say to people is please reach out to Joe. Uh, but Joe, big, big thank you today. I really, really appreciate it on our podcast. Uh, and I'm sure our paths will cross again in the near future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for bringing me on to talk about a topic that I am very passionate about. I'm sure that came across. Thank you. I appreciate it.